Greetings, listeners. Today is a happy occasion because, much to the surprise of all of us here in the underworld, my trusted ferryman, Karen, is tying the knot. Yes, what started out as a simple spa trip to impress Nyx has become what I hope will be a joyous wedding, or as joyous a wedding as the underworld can hold. So, to be quite frank, I'm not sure why I'm recording a podcast, considering that a wedding is a happy occasion entirely bereft of any drama whatsoever. While Karen and Nyx prepare, however, I've agreed to ferry this craft once more, both so that they can enjoy their union and also to allow them to take a honeymoon. each other. But how can I ensure that my plans aren't thwarted? Oh, I know. I shall curse my gifts so that whomsoever reveals my curse will find themselves speaking in rhyming couplets until they have lost their own true love. That should deter any possible eavesdroppers from talking. Ah, Eris wishes to disrupt this joyous occasion. As both the ruler of this realm and a friend to the couple, I cannot allow this to take place. Therefore, I will simply need to learn as much as I can about Eris's mischief, and stop it no matter the cost. When Karen and Nyx are at the rehearsal dinner, they will come upon this apple. An apple that Nyx will not be able to resist. However, the moment she eats it, the cosmos will begin to devour her divine power. Each time she uses her power, the stars in the sky will become brighter, and she will become weaker. It will be a marvelous thing to watch a goddess fall. I must endeavor to destroy that apple or eat it myself. As it is a curse solely meant for Nyx, I should be able to withstand its malevolent magic. And this emerald ring, which Karen will find himself wanting to pick up, has a drop of the Lethe's water in its center. The moment he puts it on, he'll find himself unable to remember his love for Nyx at all. Oh, how very tragic it will be for Nyx to lose not only her power, but her love as well. Ugh. The water of the Lethe is dangerous. I must ensure that this is handled with care, for if I break the ring in any way, I will end up dispersing the mist and causing more harm than even Eris intended. Perhaps a potion of remembrance crafted with assistance from the titanus Nemozine will allow Karen to wear it without affecting his memory of Nyx. Finally, if by some miracle the happy couple manages to bypass all of these curses, then this cloak should do the trick. Woven from the underworld's darkest shadows, Nyx won't be able to resist the urge to put it on and use it as her bridal dress. However, the moment that she and Karen tie the knot and their lips meet, the cloak's magic will take hold, and both Nyx and her memory will vanish into the ether, with Karen's memory of both their love and her existence forever swallowed up by the shadows. (laughs) The situation before me is as perilous as the journey of Orpheus into the depths of my realm filled with trials that could sever the strongest of bonds. If I do not intervene to seize the cloak, Karen's memories of Nyx could be erased, an act so final that not even a potion from Nemozine could mend. Yet, should Nyx don the cloak, the curses delay until their first kiss as a married couple places me in a precarious position. Acting beforehand could be misconstrued as opposition to their union, a misinterpretation which could cost my friendship with them both. Nevertheless, I must do what I can to ensure that this wedding is protected from Eris's malicious intent. It pains me to have to do this, but this wedding must be protected at all costs. Asking for help from a soul in Elysium to man the ferry is akin to having a king mend the shoes of his soldiers on the battlefield. And yet that happened many years ago in ancient Greece. 
Therefore, I must call on Patroclus for his aid and hope that his trust in me will prevent him from asking me too many questions. For I do not wish to spend my existence speaking in rhyming couplets until I lose Persephone because of the utter madness of such tomfoolery. Patroclus, I humbly ask for your assistance in manning this ferry until the conclusion of the wedding of Charon and Nyx. Your Majesty, though I know not why you ask for this favor, you never ask for frivolous things. Therefore, I shall do as you request. However, if it isn't too much for me to ask, I beseech thee to grant me one small favor. Please allow me a taste of the divine wedding cake. Ah, Patroclus, your request is both humble and heartwarming, reflecting the valor and kindness that defined your mortal life. As the Lord of the Underworld, granting such a request is within my power and pleasure. To taste the divine wedding cake is a small but significant joy, one that I am more than willing to provide for you. This cake, infused with the essence of ambrosia and adorned with flowers from the Elysian fields, represents not just the union of Charon and Nyx, but also the celebration of love's enduring spirit, even here in the shadowed realms. Your assistance in these trying times is invaluable, and allowing you a taste of this divine confection is but a small token of my gratitude. Rest assured, the slice reserved for you shall be as sweet as the memories of your heroic deeds, a reminder that even in the underworld, moments of joy and celebration can be found. Your willingness to help, without hesitation or demand for explanations, exemplifies the best of what it means to be a hero. Let this cake be a symbol of the festivity and camaraderie that even the gods and the souls of the departed can share. Karen, how are you, my friend? Boss, it's good to hear your voice. Listen, I wanted to ask if you would officiate our wedding. Me? Officiate your wedding? I must admit I'm surprised you asked me. Oh, boss, you think I would have asked anyone else? There's nobody I trust more than you. And Nyx, of course, but that goes without saying. As the king of this realm, you have ruled with a steady hand, always allowing the principles of fairness and integrity to guide your decisions. It would be an honor and a privilege to have you officiate our wedding. I am deeply moved by your request. You, of all people, know all too well the challenges of working a thankless job. Your vote of confidence and words of gratitude reaffirm the bond of trust and respect we've forged over countless millennia. It is with great honor that I accept the role of officiating your wedding. This ceremony will not only unite two remarkable beings in marriage, but also signify the strength and resilience of love in all its forms, even in the underworld. To preside over your union is a privilege that I do not take lightly. It will be a ceremony that reflects the depth of your commitment to each other, and I will ensure that it is free from the malicious intent of any who would wish to do harm. Oh, boss. Only you could infuse the gravitas of the underworld into something as celebratory as a wedding. Nothing horrible will happen, I assure you. The rehearsal dinner is tonight. I'll see you there. Tonight? That leaves me very little time. There is so much that I must do before the dinner. And that doesn't even include writing out a ceremony to celebrate the union of this couple. Hades, my lord, your request for a memory potion strong enough to counter the enchantments of the Lethe is a formidable one. But it is not impossible. It will just take me some time. Is there anything I may do for you to assist with your work? You are well versed in herbology. Yes, please grab me dried forget-me-nots, ginkgo root powder, and grind up some dried cayenne pepper. 
We'll need five grams. Absolutely. Let me get those items for the potion. It is done, my lord. The potion will be potent enough to counter the charms of the River Lethe. Thank you, Nemozine. You have earned my unwavering gratitude. Now I must get ready for the rehearsal dinner on the eve of Karen and Nix's wedding. Oh, boss, there you are. It's great to see you here. You look impeccable, as always. I'm glad to be here as well. Thank you for having me. So, what's on the menu? Oh, you'll never guess. We're having one of your favorites since starting that podcast, Nigerian jollof rice. While Nix and I were walking towards the palace, she found the most beautiful apple, and it inspired her to have apple pies made for dessert. What? With the apple? Yes. That one was tossed into the bunch with others from your orchard. How serendipitous. Definitely. Your seat is with us at a place of honor. Please, allow me. I've put you and Persephone together. my love. It's so great to see you. You as well. Isn't it wonderful to see our dear friend Karen tying the knot? I never thought he'd get off of that ferry. That's because he was too worried you'd turn him into a cypress tree if he asked for time off. Are you sure it wasn't that you'd transform him into a sprig of mint? After all, my dear, his absence meant I spent less time with you. Yet, my time alone was spent playing the role of both the king and the queen, and having so much power... I must confess, it was quite exhilarating. Perhaps we should consider putting you into a humbler role more often. You could take up gardening. Gardening? I fear the only things I'd manage to grow would be shadows and perhaps an odd underworldly plant that thrives on whispers and secrets. <laughs> Imagine the harvest, a field of whispering shadows. I'd love to see you try, but maybe stick to ruling the underworld. You do have a knack for it despite the occasional, let's say, floral mishap. Speaking of mishaps, I've been thinking. This wedding, while a joyful occasion, seems to lack a certain underworld flair. Oh? And what exactly constitutes as underworld flair in a wedding? A bouquet of nightshade? A procession of shades? No, no, nothing so grim. I was thinking more along the lines of dessert. Apple pies are delightful, but they're a bit prosaic, wouldn't you say? For such a unique union, why not create something exquisite? Oh, I see. From ruling the dead to critiquing desserts? Is there no limit to your talents, my love? One must always be prepared to expand one's horizons. Besides, it's not just any dessert. It's a creation that would symbolize the rare and precious love between Karen and Nix. Something that, like our love, blends light and darkness into something uniquely beautiful. That's unexpectedly sentimental of you, Hades, and quite adorkable. What did you have in mind? I was thinking of a dessert that mirrors the essence of the underworld and our guests of honor. A dark chocolate tart, perhaps, with a pomegranate glaze. Dark as the night for Nyx, with seeds as red as the love that binds them, and as enduring as the ferryman's journey across the sticks. A tart for a wedding? It's unconventional, bold, and actually quite perfect. Let's do it. It will be our little contribution to their special day. 
But my love, we must be cautious not to overshadow the bride and groom. Of course, my queen. It will be a token of our affection and esteem for them, a surprise to enhance the celebration, not to eclipse it. Shall we? Yes, let's. This will be an adventure. Just promise me we won't end up turning the kitchen into a realm of shadows and mystery. <laughs> I'll do my best, but with you by my side, I'm confident we can create anything, even light in the darkness. Beneath the canopy of stars, in the realm where night reigns supreme, I, Nyx, find myself wrestling with thoughts as elusive as shadows. The night, my domain, is a realm of peace and mystery, yet now it mirrors the turmoil within my heart. For soon, I am to be wed to Charon, the steadfast ferryman of the underworld, whose loyalty to Hades, his king and friend, has always been a beacon in the darkness. Charon's reverence for Hades is no secret. It is as deep and vast as the river Styx itself. Yet, I've often pondered, does this reverence give too much power, casting shadows where there should be light? My beloved, whose dedication is as noble as it is unwavering, seems to navigate this bond with a reverence that borders on submission. And though I've never doubted the purity of their friendship, I find myself questioning the balance of power that it entails. This dessert, a simple matter turned complex by the veils of secrecy and unsolicited change, has ignited a spark of unease within me, not for the act itself, but for what it signifies. A decision made without my involvement, a plan altered in the shadows. It casts Hades in a light most curious. As a figure wielding influence over aspects of our lives, I had thought immune to his reach. Is it not peculiar that on the eve of our union, a celebration of our love and unity, I find myself pondering the dynamics of power and influence? A celebration meant to be ours, now shadowed by the will of another. It stirs within me a realization that the ember of my disquiet, long dormant, has been fanned into flame by this act. Yet the night teaches us that light and shadow are but two sides of the same coin, each giving meaning to the other. Perhaps then, this moment of disquiet is a call to reflection, an invitation to explore the depths of our bonds and the spaces between us that yearn for understanding and balance. Let it be known, I stand not in opposition to friendship, nor to the bonds that tie souls together. But as the night seeks balance with the day, so too do I seek a harmony within our lives, a harmony where voices are heard, decisions shared, and respect mutual. As the goddess of night, I am no stranger to the dance of light and shadow. I embrace the complexity of the cosmos, the myriad stars that dot my domain, each a testament to the beauty of diversity and the strength of unity. And so, as I stand on the threshold of this new chapter, I do so with eyes open, heart ready, and spirit resolved to find our balance, to ensure that our union is a testament to mutual respect and shared power, as endless and profound as the night itself. This dessert is a delight, a dark chocolate tart with a pomegranate glaze. It's incredibly decadent and delicious. What happened to the apple pies, my dear? Did you change your mind? Ah, Karen. I overheard Persephone and Hades talking about the symbolism of a dark chocolate tart with a pomegranate glaze and realized that it perfectly encapsulated our love story. Thus, I did not object to this change. Oh, how sweet. I won't say no to such a decadent dessert either. Before we get to actually rehearsing, we have a little surprise. I found two gifts from Eros for the happy couple. Gifts from Eros? 
That's very touching. I didn't realize that he was even here. Let us enjoy a toast. Caron, what would you like? The usual? A Styx's whisper? Oh yes, of course. Thank you, boss. I think I should get married more often. That way I could have you attend to my needs all the time. Humph. Don't press your luck. As the night unfurls its shadowy veil across the underworld, I, Nyx, find myself ensnared in the web of intrigue spun by none other than Hades himself. There he stands, the epitome of enigmatic authority, pouring a potion of a most peculiar hue into Karen's glass. The potion, shimmering with a darkness that rivals the depths of Tartarus, whispers of intentions not entirely pure. Oh, Hades, ever the silent strategist, what brew have you concocted now in the quiet of your vast, inscrutable mind? This potion, its colour reminiscent of a night sky devoid of my comforting presence, could signify a myriad of outcomes. Knowing Hades, a deity not given to flights of whimsy or humour, the potion's purpose leans more towards the pragmatic than the playful. Could it be a subtle bind, a way to ensure Karen's loyalty remains as steadfast as ever, even in the face of marital bliss? Perhaps a concoction to dampen the joys of wedlock, reminding Karen that his first and foremost allegiance is to the ferrying of souls, not to the arms of his beloved Nyx. Or might it be something more dire? A potion to instill a sense of duty so profound that Karen thinks twice before requesting time off for such trivial pursuits as honeymooning. After all, in Hades' eyes, the smooth operation of the underworld soul traffic is paramount, and anything that threatens to disrupt this delicate balance must be mitigated. Could it be that Hades views this union with a skeptic's eye, fearing that the bonds of matrimony may fray the ties of obligation and duty that Karen owes to his realm? Yet there is another possibility, one that dances on the edges of my thoughts like a shadow seeking form. This potion, with its ominous hue, might just be Hades' way of asserting control, a reminder to all within his domain that his will is supreme. In his silence, there is calculation. In his actions, a message that the underworld bows to no whims of the heart. For in a realm where eternity stretches before us, the fleeting passions of the living are but echoes of a life left behind. As I muse on these possibilities, I cannot help but feel a twinge of disappointment. For if Hades, in his infinite wisdom and power, cannot see the beauty in Karen's desire to unite with me in matrimony, what hope do we have of ever bridging the chasm between duty and desire? This potion, dark as it is, may just be the physical manifestation of Hades' apprehensions a silent testament to his belief that the underworld is no place for love's light to flourish. Mmm, this is delicious, boss. You should definitely get into mixology. <laughs> oh, is it delicious? May I have a taste? Absolutely, my love. Here, have a sip. It's good, isn't it? Here's your gift, Karen. I hope you like it. An emerald ring. I'm not one to gravitate to jewellery normally, but I must admit that this one is a real beauty. Perhaps Eros has imbued it with a blessing. Why are you looking pale, my love? Oh, I'm feeling a touch under the weather. Perhaps it has been my time spent on the sticks. No matter, my dear, I'm sure this will pass. It's clear to me that something far more sinister than a simple illness afflicts Hades. 
His behaviour of late, the switching out of my preferred dessert, the unexpected concoction poured into Karen's drink, and now this sudden malaise all point to a hidden agenda, one that I fear may cast a long shadow over the joy of our impending nuptials. Could it be that Hades, in his infinite cunning, has orchestrated these events with the purpose of stopping the wedding? After all, Hades is Karen's sovereign, and I'm sure that Karen will ask for days off from the ferry on a more regular basis once we are wed. Perhaps not wanting to have to ferry the craft himself, Hades concocted a potion that would bind Karen to his will and make him forget about our love. I can just see it now. Hades lulled us into a false sense of security with that dessert, a seemingly benevolent gesture of goodwill. But perhaps just as in Karen's drink, he slipped some potion into it. Those obsidian eyes of his are so inscrutable revealing nothing of the thoughts and motives hidden in their fathomless depths. What plots and schemes might he be concocting, even now behind that implacable façade? I fear this seeming benevolence masks a deeper desire for control. His gestures of goodwill, merely theatrics to blind us to his true intent. Could he resent Karen's choice to devote himself to me, rather than the endless drudgery of ferrying shades to the underworld? Resent it enough to actively thwart our union? The idea leaves a bitter taste in my mouth, like ashes and regret. For millennia, Karen has served him faithfully, asking little in return save Hades' friendship and esteem. Would the Lord of the Dead truly be so petty and small-minded, so insecure in his power that he feels threatened by something as joyful as wedded bliss? No, no, I cannot believe that, not yet. I must have faith that our ruler understands matters of the heart. He who loves Persephone with such enduring passion, surely he would not deny us this chance for happiness. And yet, the insidious seeds of doubt have already taken root. Only time will reveal whether my growing disquiet is mere fancy or bitter fruit to come. For Karen's sake, as much as mine, I must discover the truth. The answers lie shrouded in shadow, but shadow is my domain. If secrets and deception lurk within Hades' plan, I vow to drag them into the light. Nyx, Eros did not forget you. He gave you this gift. Here you are, my dear. What a beautiful cloak. It appears to be woven from the shadows of the underworld itself. I find it puzzling that Eros would offer me such a gift. It seems to be uncharacteristic of the god of love to provide something so dark. May I borrow this, please? I'm feeling rather chilly, and it looks as though it could provide protection against the Underworld's chill. Hades, this cloak, while indeed a marvel of the Underworld's craftsmanship, seems an odd choice for you. Are the chill winds of the realm suddenly too much for the Lord of the Dead? Our boss planning to add some new fashion to your wardrobe? Or is this a new trend in the Underworld we should be aware of? Hades, darling, since when did you take interest in such unique attire? Is there more than a chill in the air which makes you long for this cloak? Nyx, goddess of the infinite night, whose wisdom lights the darkness like the stars themselves, as captivating as the pull of the moon on the tides. This evening, as the chill of the underworld seems to seep into the very marrow of existence, I find myself besieged by an uncharacteristic cold. A cold that not even the fires of this realm seem to abate. In this vast dominion of shadows and whispers, where power and vulnerability dance in eternal embrace, it is not often that I seek aid, nor admit to such mundane afflictions as the cold. 
Yet here, before you, I stand, a request upon my lips. The cloak wrought from the darkest depths of night, a fabric so finely spun it could only befit a deity of your stature has caught my eye. Not for its beauty nor its power, but for its warmth. A warmth I find myself in unexpected need of. Would you, Nyx, in your boundless generosity, grant me the honor of wearing this cloak, to shield me from the chill that even the Lord of the Underworld cannot escape? It is a simple request, yet one that I do not make lightly. I ask not as the ruler of this realm, but as one who finds himself momentarily vulnerable. Your kindness would be a beacon in the darkness, a reminder that even in the underworld, warmth and light can be found in the most unexpected of places. As you wish. Please return it to me before the ceremony tomorrow. I wish to wear it when I walk down the aisle. Very well, I shall return this when you and Karen are wed. Hades, I cannot help but think that you are secretly hoping that Karen and I call off our wedding. Throughout this entire rehearsal dinner, you have, through your machinations, machinations that appeared to be benevolent, but now smell of secrecy and manipulation, moved us like pawns on a chessboard for some unknown purpose. You changed our dessert from the apple pies I wanted to the chocolate tart with the pomegranate glaze. Then you slipped a potion into Karen's drink, and now you've commandeered my cloak though I know not why you have done these things. I can't help but think that you resent losing Karen to me and want to do whatever you can to destroy our love. I cannot, and will not, have such a saboteur as my officiant. You clearly insisted upon it to do something to further your self-serving agenda. Your meddling is neither needed nor welcome. So be it. Karen, how did Hades come to officiate our wedding? Was this just one more thing he orchestrated? One more manipulation in his web of schemes? Orchestrated web of schemes? Nix, Hades is not just the ruler of this realm. He is a mentor and friend I respect deeply. Respect deeply? How can you possibly respect someone who would go behind your back and switch out our rehearsal dinner dessert? How could you trust someone who slips a potion of unknown intentions into your drink? And what do you make of a god? who would use his command over the shadows to compel me to give him the cloak Eros gifted to me, and for a fever which is clearly another untruth in his twisted game. Potion? What potion? That drink was nothing but a cocktail. You sipped on it yourself. And what ill effects are you feeling? That's not the point. The point is that our wedding has become a game for a god rather than a time of love and joy. A game? Nix, you think I would ever treat our wedding as anything less than sacred? I involved Hades out of respect and a desire for his blessing not to turn our union into a spectacle. But can't you see? Whether you intended it or not, his involvement has introduced elements we neither needed nor wanted. Our wedding should be about us, our commitment, not about navigating the whims of gods. His whims, as you call them, have always been in service of keeping the balance, Nix. You of all people should understand the weight of responsibility. Hades' actions, however cryptic, are not without reason. Responsibility does not grant one the liberty to meddle in the lives of others without their consent, Karen. Our wedding is not a chessboard for Hades or any other deity to maneuver their pieces upon. It's our moment and it's being overshadowed by these 
these machinations. You're letting your distrust of Hades cloud your judgment. My decision to involve him was made with the best of intentions, for us. And yet, those best intentions have led us here, Karen, to a place of contention and misunderstanding. If this is the outcome of Hades' blessings, then perhaps we were better off without them. So, what would you have me do, Nyx? Denounce my friend and mentor, the god who has stood by me just to ease your doubts? What would Hades gain by breaking up our union? Oh, I don't know. Maybe he'd have a ferryman at his beck and call, rain or shine, who never took any time off. Maybe he'd have someone to sing his praises from the tops of the cypress trees, like a cock crows to announce the dawn. Nix, to see Hades as merely a god playing at games with our lives is to misunderstand the very essence of who he is, of the burdens he bears. Hades, the ruler of the underworld, yes, but also a being of profound depth, integrity and, dare I say, compassion in his own right. You see, Hades has stood by me not just as a ruler or a mentor, but as a true friend. When the weight of my duties threatened to drag me down into the depths, it was Hades who taught me to find strength in the solemnity of our charge. He showed me that even in the darkest corners of existence, there is dignity, there is purpose. And yes, Hades has his ways, cloaked in mystery, decisions that may seem unfathomable from the outside. But every action and decree is made with the balance of the entire underworld in mind. His is a perspective born of eons, of watching the cycles of life and death, of love and loss. It's a perspective that demands respect, even when it's not fully understood. Remember the time when the river Acheron overflowed, threatening to flood the Asphodel Meadows? It was Hades who orchestrated the construction of new channels, saving countless souls from being washed away. Or the famine that once gripped the Elysian fields, where he personally negotiated with Demeter to ensure the fields were rejuvenated. These are not the acts of a deity who plays games with his subjects' lives. They are the actions of a god who, in his own way, cares deeply about his realm and its inhabitants. My faith in Hades is not blind, Nyx. It's built on years of witnessing his fair judgment, his unwavering commitment to the underworld, and his unexpected moments of kindness. Yes, he took your cloak, changed our dessert, and might have put a potion into my drink, but I assure you that these acts were not for his own personal gain. His reasons may be shrouded in shadows now, but I am confident that we will receive answers in due time. If Hades insists on something, it's because he foresees a threat we do not, a danger he's striving to protect us from. I asked Hades to officiate our wedding because I believed his blessing would fortify our union against any unseen trials. Not to place us as pawns in a divine game, but to shield us with the strength and wisdom only he could offer. Perhaps that was my mistake, not foreseeing the shadow it would cast on our moment. But if my trust in him, in the balance he strives to maintain, has brought us to this rift between us, then, Nyx, I am at a loss. I cannot renounce my respect for Hades any more than I can quell my love for you. But nor can I stand here and watch as that love is questioned, as our future hangs in the balance over misunderstandings and mistrust. Our wedding? meant to be a celebration of our union, should not be overshadowed by these conflicts. So Nix, I will step away now, not to abandon our plans or our love, but to give us both the space to reflect on what truly matters. Our wedding tomorrow is not just a ceremony. It's a testament to our journey together, a journey I still believe in, 
deeply and wholeheartedly. Perhaps during our time away, we can gain clarity in how our love can flourish alongside my enduring friendship with Hades. This isn't about choosing one over the other, but about understanding that our marriage can coexist with the bonds we hold outside of it. My friendship with Hades, much like our love, is built on a foundation of trust and shared experiences. It's my hope that we can see this not as a division, but as a testament to the capacity of our hearts to embrace more than one profound connection. Tomorrow, as the dawn ushers in our day of union, let it also bring with it a renewed understanding and appreciation for the complexity of our lives and relationships. I stand ready, Nix, to walk beside you, not just in the light of our love, but in the shadow of our challenges, forging a path that honors both our bond and the friendships that have shaped us. Hades, are you upset that Karen and Nix are getting married? Far from it, my dear. I'm glad that Karen has finally tied the knot. He's had his eyes on Nix for centuries, and I never thought he would leave that fairy to entertain the idea of a relationship with her. Really? Then why have you been acting so strangely? Why did you take Nix's cloak? You had that dark aura about you when you asked for it, as though you were wielding your divine will. You know that we, as gods, should be wary of how we use it. Nix, a primordial deity, is far more powerful than most, and had she not been preoccupied with her wedding preparations, she might have fought back and laid a curse upon you. Ah, my dear Persephone, if Nix were to curse me, it would merely be the continuation of a divine tradition. Imagine for a moment, Eris lighting a torch and brandishing the flame of her divine wrath upon Nix, who then took that same torch and turned it upon me. It would indeed keep the fire of divine retribution roaring merrily. Wouldn't you agree? Eris? You've been entangled in her webs without so much as a word to me? Eris has indeed woven her mischief into the fabric of this occasion. While I dare not voice the nature of her interventions directly, lest it bring misfortune upon our union, rest assured, my actions aim to safeguard our realm and its inhabitants from her malice. We stand together, Hades, in ruling this realm and in facing its trials. Let's confront this challenge as we have all others, with unity and wisdom. Indeed, my queen. Your insight and courage are the lighthouses guiding us through stormy seas. Let us then seek Hephaestus's unparalleled skills, a replica of Nyx's cloak, indistinguishable to all but the most discerning eye might just be the key to unwinding Eris's spite without alerting her to our awareness. Hephaestus will understand the necessity of our request. His skill in crafting will be our ally in ensuring that Nyx can celebrate her union without the shadow of Eris's curse looming over her. Together, we will navigate this, as we have all things. Our unity is our strength, and with it, we can overcome even the darkest of curses. I knew it! Hades, my dear friend, had a very good reason for taking Nyx's cloak, changing our dessert, and slipping a potion into my Styx's whisper. Nyx, not having interacted with Hades on a regular basis the way I have, has likely been coloured by the perspectives of those who see him as nothing but a stern and implacable ruler, whose decisions are all made solely for the smooth operation of his shadowy realm. However, I have seen otherwise. 
There was a time when I was at the brink of despair, when a man-made famine gripped a nation and I had to ferry thousands of children across the Styx. It was a time darker than the deepest abyss of Tartarus. The wails of the innocent souls weighed heavily upon my heart, each crossing not just a passage, but a stark reminder of the fragility of life and the indiscriminate nature of death. Yet, in this bleak hour, Hades stood not aloof, but alongside me, his presence a silent pillar of strength. Hades, sensing the toll this was taking on me, took it upon himself to lighten the burden in ways only he could. With a cunning that rivals Athena's wisdom and a compassion rarely seen in the annals of our divine narratives, he devised a plan. Hades, in his infinite wisdom, established a grove in the Elysian fields, a sanctuary where the souls of these children could find peace, play and laughter, a respite from their untimely fates. But his kindness did not stop at mere gestures of comfort. Hades, understanding the profound loneliness that comes with my eternal duty, began to visit me more frequently during these crossings. He shared stories of the world above, tales of heroism, love, and the occasional folly of gods and mortals alike. These stories, though simple, were a balm to my weary soul, reminding me that there is beauty even in the darkest of times. And then there was the incident with the lost soul of a poet whose works were on the verge of being forgotten in the mortal realm. Hades, recognizing the value of the poet's contributions, orchestrated a series of dreams to a living descendant, inspiring her to rediscover and publish her ancestors' works, thus ensuring his legacy endured. This act of kindness was not for the sake of rule or dominion, but a genuine desire to see justice served in the realm of legacy and memory. These are but glimpses of the depth and complexity of Hades' character. A god who rules not with an iron fist, but with a thoughtful heart, guided by a profound understanding of life's delicate balance and the value of every soul that crosses into his domain. A god whose heart has such a deep and profound capacity for love, a love as permanent and enduring as death itself, would not fall prey to the caprices of jealousy, the insidiousness of greed, or the pettiness of resentment. No, I had every confidence that Hades acted out of a desire to ensure my well-being. And now I see that my loyalty was not misplaced. I must find Eris and see if I can extract information from her, in one way or another. Uncle Hades, Aunt Persephone, this is a surprise. I thought you were all preparing for the wedding of Karen and Nyx. Oh, we are. You see, a cursed cloak was given to the couple, and it needs to be replaced with a cloak just as beautiful. An exact replica, in fact, but one free of any malediction or curse. Though I am most known for my talents at the Forge, my skills span many domains, including those of ceramics, metalwork, and glassblowing, among others. I shall create a cloak from the shadows and replicate the one you have given to me. Then we can enlist the help of Hecate to destroy the one that was given to Karen and Nyx. Thank you, Hephaestus. Our gratitude knows no bounds. Karen, I thought you were getting married. Oh, I am. Did you come out of Elysium to take over the ferry? Yes. Lord Hades asked me to do so, just until the conclusion of the wedding, at which point he had plans to return and continue while you took your honeymoon. 
Thank you so much. I know that coming out of Elysium isn't a small ask. May I ride with you a while? I'd like to maneuver to the southern banks of the Lethe, where the caves of Obsidian Vale lie. Eris is known to frequent these caverns, shrouded in the mysteries that only she can weave. Perhaps there, amid the whispers of shadows and the echo of ancient enmities, I might find her and learn about the specifics of her part in my wedding's chaos. Very well. To the caves we shall go. There doesn't seem to be anybody here. We've been wandering this labyrinth for almost half an hour now, and there's a line of souls waiting to take the ferry, I bet. It's maddening. I thought for sure that we'd be able to hear Eris crowing about her accomplishments or bemoaning the fact that someone foiled her schemes. Pardon me for asking this question, but is Lord Hades still... Hmm, how does one put this? Is he still reluctant to modernize things? I mean, does your fairy have any kind of surveillance equipment? Something that might have captured whatever Lord Hades heard while he was ferrying the souls earlier. By Hades' beard. Patroclus, you are brilliant. We do have surveillance equipment on the ferry. I convinced our good king to get some so that we could root out anyone who tried to cheat by not playing their own role or tried to con their fellow souls in any way. Honestly, I doubt he even remembers we have it. Let's roll this tape. When did he ask you to bury the craft? If I had to guess, then I'd say it was just before six. Good. Now let's turn off this recorder and rewind it again. With any luck, we'll be able to have a listen and learn everything that Lord Hades learned, which led him to act so strangely at the rehearsal dinner. wishes to disrupt this joyous occasion. As both the ruler of this realm and a friend to the couple, I cannot allow this to take place. Therefore, I will simply need to learn as much as I can about Eris's mischief, and stop it no matter the cost. When Karen and Nick are at the rehearsal dinner, they will come upon this apple, an apple that Nick will not be able to resist. However, the moment she eats it, the cosmos will begin to devour her divine power. Each time she uses her power, the stars in the sky will become brighter, and she will become weaker. It will be a marvelous thing to watch a goddess fall. I must endeavor to destroy that apple or eat it myself. As it is a curse solely meant for Nyx, I should be able to withstand its malevolent magic. And this emerald ring, which Karen will find himself wanting to pick up, has a drop of the Lithi's water in its center. The moment he puts it on, he'll find himself unable to remember his love for Nyx at all. Oh, how very tragic it will be for Nyx to lose not only her power, but her love as well. <laughs> Ugh. The water of the Lethe is dangerous. I must ensure that this is handled with care, for if I break the ring in any way, I will end up dispersing the mist and causing more harm than even Eris intended. Perhaps a potion of remembrance crafted with assistance from the titanist Nemozine will allow Karen to wear it without affecting his memory of Nyx. Finally, if by some miracle the happy couple manages to bypass all of these curses, then this cloak should do the trick. Woven from the underworld's darkest shadows, 
Nyx won't be able to resist the urge to put it on and use it as her bridal dress. However, the moment that she and Karen tie the knot and their lips meet, the cloak's magic will take hold, and both Nyx and her memories will vanish into the ether, with Karen's memory of both their love and her existence forever swallowed up by the shadows. <laughs> the situation before me is as perilous as the journey of Orpheus into the depths of my realm, filled with trials that could sever the strongest of bonds. If I do not intervene to seize the cloak, Karen's memories of Nyx could be erased, an act so final that not even a potion from Nemozine could mend. Yet, should Nyx don the cloak, the curses delay until their first kiss as a married couple places me in a precarious position. Acting beforehand could be misconstrued as opposition to their union, a misinterpretation which could cost my friendship with them both. Nevertheless, I must do what I can to ensure that this wedding is protected from Eris's malicious intent. So Lord Hades was protecting us from Eris's curses, and he was forced to remain silent, because had he divulged the full nature of Eris's curses, then he would have been doomed to speak in rhyming couplets until he lost his own true love, Queen Persephone. And though our friendship is strong, his love for Persephone trumps everything, and he did everything to protect both it and us. With the apple discarded, a memory potion from Nemozine in me, and Nyx's cloak in his possession, Lord Hades kept us safe from Eris's malice. And how did we repay him? Oh, Patroclus, how may I make amends with Lord Hades, my dear mentor and friend? Karen, I don't think your loyalty is in question. It is Nyx who doubted Hades' intentions, was it not? Then it is she who must be the one to open both her eyes and heart to the truth. But how can I share any of this with her without being afflicted by the curse of the rhyming couplets myself? Despite this tumultuous evening, I do still love her and don't want to lose her. Give her the opportunity to listen to the recording. It should help her understand why the rehearsal dinner was fraught with seemingly controlling behavior from Hades. Good idea. Hopefully I can find Nyx. Nevertheless, I must do what I can to ensure that this wedding is protected from Eris's malicious intent. Karen, you were right. Hades was merely trying to protect our union, and I, in my envy over your close friendship, failed to trust either you or him. How will I ever make amends? Nix, I have a package for you. Lord Hades sends it with his regards. Lord Hades? Thank you, Hermes, though I can't imagine he would have any wish to send me anything but Tartarian scorpions at this point. Karen, it's the cloak. He sent it back to me. Is this an act of revenge? Am I to believe that he, in a moment of wrath, sent it to me in the hopes of ending my marriage after all? Nix, Lord Hades is one of very few gods not known for wrath. Then why would he send it back to me? There's a note. Why don't you read it? Very well, I hope it explains everything. My dear Nix. By the time you receive this, I suspect you would already have heard the recording captured on the ferry which inadvertently caught our dear friend Eris blathering on about her devious machinations to disrupt your wedding. This cloak which I am returning to you is not the one you were originally given. It was crafted by Hephaestus himself and woven within its fabric you will find an illustrious insignia created from the shadows featuring an anvil and a golden hammer, the mark of Hephaestus, 
the master craftsman who could not resist adding his own touch to your gift. May it serve you well as you walk down the aisle and intertwine your life with Karen's. May your friendship, loyalty, love, and trust endure through the millennia. Warmly, Hades. Oh, how wrong I have been. Because of my doubt and jealousy, Lord Hades isn't officiating our union, something which was meaningful to you, Karen. It sounded like he wasn't even going to be at our ceremony at all. Indeed, it is regrettable, but what can we do? The wedding I sought to thoroughly destroy has escaped my every machination and ploy. The apple which should have stolen Nyx's power was pulled from her at the eleventh hour. Though Karen's ring was worn with pride, his memories of Nyx were not pushed aside. Is the ferryman immune to the Lethe's spell? Or was my ring not manufactured well? A cloak of shadows, my final ace. Yet even that vanished without a trace. Foiled by Hades with tricks up his sleeve, my plans unraveled, I can scarcely believe. And now I rhyme, a curse most vile. I feel the churn of my stomach and the rise of my bile. Each word I speak, now bound in verse, my own chaos turned into a curse. Not one, not two, but three plans spoiled. In my own web of deceit, I'm thoroughly coiled. How did this happen, this turn of events? My own schemes used against me. It makes no sense. It matters not because one day I'm sure I'll be able to find a cure. It seems that you bit off more than you could chew. Who would have thought that a tape recorder would cause your curse to backfire? We are gathered here today in the vast and mysterious expanse of the underworld to witness and celebrate the union of two extraordinary beings. Karen, the steadfast ferryman of the Styx, whose dedication to his duty has guided countless souls to their final resting places, and Nyx, the primordial goddess of the night, whose beauty and power illuminate the darkest corners of this realm. In the presence of the gods, the spirits of the dead, and the eternal night sky under which we stand, we come together to join these two in matrimony. Today as Hermes, the messenger of the gods and the god of communication, I have the honor of officiating this ceremony. My role as the herald between the worlds of gods and mortals, between the living and the dead, symbolizes the connection that marriage represents, a bond that transcends realms, unites differences, and enriches the universe with its harmony. Marriage is a sacred covenant, a promise made in the hearts of two individuals who choose each other above all others, to share life's journey with all its myriad paths, through trials and triumphs, through the shadows and the light. It is a partnership built on trust, respect, and an unwavering commitment to one another. Karen and Nix, before you stand together to take these vows, know that your union is a beacon of hope and a paragon of love's strength. It reminds us all that even in a place as ancient and solemn as the underworld, love can flourish, bringing warmth to the chill of the eternal night and light to the shadowed waters. Now, before we proceed to the vows, I ask of those present, if there be any among you who knows of any reason why these two should not be joined in holy matrimony, speak now or forever hold your peace. Though I am filled with joy on this day, there is a hole in my heart, for one who should have been present is not here. Lord Hades, my friend and mentor, if only you were with us now, blessing this union and officiating it as you ought to be. I object. <gasps> I object not to the union, but to the absence of one who protected our love with the ferocity of Cerberus, 
the loyalty of Prince Hector and the love of Demeter for her daughter Persephone. Had it not been for Hades's interventions, I would have eaten an apple that led to the cosmos devouring my divine power, Charon would have fallen prey to the Lethe's enchantments and forgotten me, and I would have become shrouded in a cloak that sucked me into the void forever. What should have been a day of love and joy would have been marked by loss and sorrow. It is only right then that this ceremony cannot conclude without him here with us. No disrespect meant to you, Lord Hermes, but... Not to worry. I'll deliver him to you, then be on my way. There are always messages to deliver. As the Lord of the Underworld, it is not often that I find myself in the role of a celebrant, officiating the union of two souls. Yet today I stand before you, not as the ruler of this shadowed realm, but as a friend and guardian to Karen and Nyx, whose love has illuminated the darkest corners of our world with its brilliance. Karen, my steadfast ferryman, your unwavering loyalty and dedication have not only ensured the safe passage of countless souls across the Styx, but have also earned you the deep respect and admiration of all who dwell within this realm. And Nyx, magnificent goddess of the night, your beauty and power have always been a source of awe and wonder, reminding us of the boundless majesty that darkness can hold. As someone who has walked these dark paths longer than most can remember, I have seen love in its many forms. I have witnessed its power to change the course of destinies, to soften the hardest of hearts, and to bring light into the darkest of places. It is love that makes the unbearable weight of eternity bearable, and it is love that reminds us of our humanity, our divinity, and our purpose. Karen and Nix, your decision to join together in the eternal bond of marriage is a bold declaration of your love, a love that defies the very nature of this realm. It is a love that speaks of hope, resilience, and the belief in something greater than ourselves. As you stand before me, ready to intertwine your destinies, I offer you not just my blessing, but a gift that befits the depth of your bond. By the power vested in me as the ruler of the underworld, I bestow upon you the mantle of eternal night and the lantern of guiding light. The mantle, woven from the very essence of Nyx's domain, will protect you from the adversities that may seek to dampen your spirits, enveloping you in the comfort and safety of the night's embrace. The lantern, fueled by the unwavering spirit of Karen's duty, will illuminate your path together, guiding you through uncertainty and showing you the way forward, even in the darkest of times. Together, these gifts symbolize the balance of light and dark, of certainty and exploration that marriage embodies. As you wear this mantle and carry this lantern, may you always find solace in each other's presence. May your love be a guiding light that never dims, and may the darkness always be a place of rest and renewal for you both. As we prepare to bind these two souls in the sanctity of marriage, I pause to honor the tradition that has governed such unions since time immemorial. If there be any among us who knows of a reason why Karen and Nick should not be joined in matrimony, let them speak now or forever hold their peace. Well, listeners, it seems I ran out of tape and the rest of Karen and Nix's joyful wedding will have to be left to your imagination. Next time, we will commence Season 2. Our first stop on our tour of the world's folklore will be Syria, where we'll meet the woodcutter's wealthy sister. We enjoy hearing from our listeners, 
So if you have any folklore to share, feedback, or questions, feel free to send a dead letter to Hades at firesidefolklorewithhades.com. Good night. <laughs>